Today on the Notes City on the Sideline Dad podcast, episode number 61, what does persuasive communication, international adoption, being a dad, also unleashing your superpowers have to do with each other? Hmm, this is going to be interesting. Next on the podcast, let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Hey, welcome to the podcast. My name is Joe Foley. I want to really say thank you for being here. And this is your first time? Hey, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. I know with Netflix, YouTube, you name it, you have a lot of other ways of entertaining yourself when you take time to listen. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I know this parent of the status stuff not easy, so I really appreciate you. I'm not an expert. I'm on a journey just like you taking one day at a time in this crazy world. We're coming up on Christmas and I'm I just want to say thank you for listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. And you taking time I really means a lot to me. It made me think how much I really do appreciate my friends, my family this time of year. Next up, my interview with Jeff Tippett, author, speaker, father, entrepreneur. I really, really had fun with you because of the superhero talk me and Jeff had. Jeff has great stories. He explains the difference between persuasive communication and manipulation. I know, persuasive communication and manipulation sound like they go with each other, but they really don't. Persuasive communication can be used in different parts of your life, like being a parent in your work, or you want to persuade somebody in an international adoption. Jeff has some great examples how to use persuasive communication to help him and his daughter when he went for adoption in Haiti. He gives tips how to teach children good communication skills. Jeff was a lot of fun to talk to, and he shared some great examples and some great information. So let's jump right into the interview. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. If I could ask you, because we're going to talk about your you know, upcoming book in a few minutes, but who is your favorite superhero? Because it has something to tie in with the book. It, it does. So here's the thing, Joe. Like, as a kid, I was always wondering, like, if I could pick one super uh, power, one superhero, who would it be? And the problem was, like, I would settle on one just only for a few seconds, though, because then I would think of, like, yeah, but Spider-Man can walk up walls. Or I think, oh, but look at Wonder Twins, right? They've got two of you to do even <laughs> more good. And so I couldn't settle on a superpower. It was only after going through my uh, international adoption that I finally settled in that if I could choose any superpower, it would be persuasive communications. I wonder who the superhero would have that. Maybe it's Batman. I don't know. Maybe Batman has. <laughs> he always had a scowl on his face going, hmm, you know, he's up to something. He always says a few words and says something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to talk about who you are and what, 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 your, what your story is. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I own a public affairs and communications firm. I am an entrepreneur. I started the company in October of 2010, uh, 2014, excuse me. Um, during, for a political company, it was the very worst time to start. It was an uh, election year and it was a couple months before the election. Um, but that was the timing that I ended up launching. Um, I 
within the first week, signed a half dozen clients. And then within the first quarter, I signed my first international client, um, which was this little company out of California called Airbnb that a few people have heard of. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and it just like, it set me off. So I worked with some amazing clients and things like the National Restaurant Association um, as well. And in addition, I'm a professional speaker. So I spend about half my time speaking and the work around speaking, like writing and so forth, and about half my time um, working with clients and doing strategy for them. Well, what, what is persuasive communication? So, you know, when I tell people that I speak on persuasive communication, nine times out of ten, I get this pushback and I get this thing back from people where they say, ah, you teach people how to manipulate others. <laughs> and Oftentimes, people do think that they equate persuasion with manipulation, and they think it's exactly the same thing, and it's really not their fault, especially if you've gone through sales training and things like that. You've been taught that you're persuading, that you're influencing, but the actuality, you're receiving tips on how to manipulate others. So I like to start in talking with people to help them understand what manipulation is and what persuasion is. Because once we understand the difference between these two, I think light bulbs starts to go off for people and they begin to realize, yes, persuasion is where I want to be. So when we look at going back to the definition of all this, manipulate means this. It means to control or to influence like a person or a situation and to do it cleverly to do it unfairly, to do it unscrupulously. So that is basically what we're saying is we're trying to move people and we're trying to make them do something, but we want them to do it for our benefit and for our good and what we're after. Now, contrast that, if you will, with persuasion. Persuasion means this. It means to call someone to do something but through reasoning or argument. And the word argument here is not the, the political discourse that we see today. It is like, like the, the truest form of the word argument, where, where one person says, but this is where I am, and the other person says, but this is where I am, this is what I believe. And so over time, through a sustained effort, that what ends up happening when you listen to the other person, when you understand their needs, what they're after, where their limitations are, you know what it is that you're trying to accomplish, and you find that common ground where you guys are both at the very same place, then that's persuasion. And I look for two magical words in any conversation that I'm having. If it's with a client, if I'm trying to close a deal or getting the deal signed, when it gets to the, to the very end, I, I listen for two words. And these two magical words will tell me if I have manipulated or I persuaded. And that's hearing them say, that's right. So when we finish and they look at me like, hey, Jeff, that's right. This is the way to go. We can do this. When it comes to that point, I, I know at that point that I have persuaded them, right? I have brought them over to the perspective. We found that common ground that he or she believes it for himself or for herself. And at that point is persuasion and not manipulation. It's funny you say that because um, I follow you on Facebook and some of your social media and stuff like that. And you're just coming where you live in North Carolina, um, North Carolina, the Carolinas. So you had the, the hurricane. I saw some of the pictures of your, you and your kids playing games from during the, um, uh, so, you, I mean, you must have a lot of practice in persuasion because you got to, you know, you don't want to manipulate them, but you want to persuade them to do things. And how does that, how's it, how's that work at home and compared to like workplace? Is it similar? They are similar. And I think it's even more important as a father um, to make sure that I persuade my children and that I don't manipulate them. And a big part of that, like, just like you commented, that when we, 
having this hurricane come through. There was nothing else to do. And so we just um, took board games out and we spent time playing games and we just laughed together. We did some games on the TV as well. Um, when it wasn't like too much rain, we spent time out in the hot tub having conversations as well. Um, and so for part of that, for me, there are a lot of similarities. And I think a couple of areas um, that they're extremely similar is in the area of making a connection and then also making sure that I help my kids find their win as well. And what do you mean by making connection or like making, how do you know when you made that connection? So this is as a father. This is like one of my top goals. Uh, if I can make a connection with my kids, if I can have that emotional bond um, with my kids, it enables me to have tough conversations with, with my kids when we need to have those conversations. And I'm at the stage now where my oldest is a freshman in college, and then I have two sophomores um, in high school. So at this stage, like the connection becomes so much more important because we're reaching that phase where it's not just like do what I say because I say do it. We're really at that phase where I have to have this connection with them. And a, and a few tips for that, something simple like humor. Sometimes as a parent, it's so easy like to get burdened down with work and all the tasks of work and the things that I have to do. And then you know, commuting around town, dropping the kids off to school, um, just even being a father, being a father to high schoolers as well. A lot of this, from my perspective, can just like way only and can push me down. But when I pause and I step back and I embrace humor and I just laugh with my kids and we can have fun like we did around the table at the games, playing games. It's a great way. And another way is to have compassion for for our family, for those that we're in communication with, and really understanding what it is that they're going through. I found that my kids, all three of them, their struggles are so different, and they're so different than what I went through when I was their age, and having compassion. And a third way is empathy. Like not just understanding what it is that they're going through or understanding what they're facing, but also feeling it, feeling it deep inside myself that I feel the pain or I feel the struggle. Or I feel you know, what it is that they're going through. Another way is storytelling. Um, and I use this a lot uh, with my kids. I'll tell stories to them, especially as I'm trying to make points or I'm trying to help move them in a, in a different direction, maybe with them where things are, um, telling stories to them. And the fifth one is, is being authentic. You know, I have chosen a path that I'm very open with my kids to share things that are age appropriate for them. And even my own failings and things that just didn't go well for me. And I found that that speaks to them just as much as the success does as well. It also frees them up, right, to be able to fail themselves and to realize it's okay that their dad's not going to be disappointed, that I'm going to be their biggest cheerleader to help get them back up and going once again. How, could, how would that translate into uh, being an entrepreneur or being communication in, in, in the public like that? How would you translate that to the work? working world. So I do the same thing. Like when I speak, I, I, all of these things that I talk about that I just talked about there, I do the very same thing when I speak. I do the very same thing uh, with clients. So for example, if I'm working with a client and they start to tell me something's happening in their life and I try to present and make myself the type of person that is here to listen, to begin asking them questions. And when they give me just a little snippet of information, 
as long as they're comfortable and I'm comfortable asking that next level of question with them, making that connection, the bond. And as a result, from you know, what I can tell, my clients love hanging out with me. They like being with me. They know that I'm just going to pause and nothing is more important at that moment than understanding where they are and what they're going through and what's happening in their life. Probably easier to things moving forward with better communication and better understanding instead of being the person that just cracks the whip. Yeah. And we can. And you know, Earlier in my life, that was the kind of person I was. Like, I just had a checklist. I could just get things done. Um, and, and part of like going to Haiti and, and going through that experience and adopting a baby was I learned like, this internal change that had to happen with me was I couldn't manipulate any longer. I couldn't just crack the whip. I had to find a whole new way to get things done. How was that? How was that for the adoption in Haiti? How did that go? Can you can you talk about that or? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So. To start with, it wasn't something that I had, it was not a dream, it wasn't a longing, it wasn't a plan, it was none of that. My father went overseas to Haiti to do some humanitarian relief, and while he was there, he met the translator, was a ninth grade Haitian student. Um, she was in a Christian English-speaking school, which is one of the best places that she could land, but she did get pregnant. And the school gave her two options. They're like, you can um, drop out of school and quit, or you can give up your baby. And she really wanted to continue on um, in school. And so she had made a choice to give up her baby. And my dad, after he got back from the trip, scheduled time for us to meet to have dinner. And I wish I could say that, you know, I was just excited to hear the story about it, but actually he booked the our, our hangout time at a restaurant that I loved. And so I was excited about the menu. Um, but <laughs> we got there and started having a conversation and he pulled out like the old school hard copy prints, um, photographs. And Joe, I don't know what it was. But, like he showed me this one picture of her and I looked into her eyes and I knew immediately that I was supposed to be the one to adopt her. Didn't have any idea how to start this. Didn't have any idea how to do an adoption, much less like an international adoption. I didn't even understand at that point what was going on in Haiti. I did not understand the civil unrest that was going on. I did not understand that the bureaucracy was totally falling apart in Haiti, that the president's government was collapsing. So here I am, you know, I go within 30 days. I go to Haiti for my very first trip. And I take food and clothing and, and money. Um, to, for her to help take care of her. And, you know, within uh, a couple of trips there, like I had like, machetes held at my neck. I had guns wow. pointed at my head. I mean, I'm just a little suburban guy here, you know, not used to any of this. There were multiple times that I got run out of the city. Uh, for my, we had to flee just for our own safety to get out of, of the city. And they were, it, it was never just like this whole positive trajectory up. I, I had my why. And I knew that this girl was to be my daughter, and I was passionate about it. There were days, honestly, like I would just throw my hands up and just say, I quit. I can't do this. I can't make this happen. But something would happen the next morning. The sun would come up. Everything would be brand new again. And that drive inside of me was restored. And for example, there was one time I had to have a signature from the State Department. And so I didn't have, we were facing a deadline of time. I didn't have time to just mail it and go through the, the normal procedure. So we drove up and I took the papers in with me and I was told, hey, we'll get them signed and we'll mail them back to you. And my response was, um, no, you're going to sign them. And I'm going to take them back with me today because her life is in the balance. She's very sick, and I've got to keep this, got to keep this moving. Um, and I eventually got my papers that very same day and left. There was a time when 
um, there's an office in Haiti that I needed to have a signature and my um, attorney emailed me. It's like, Jeff, the office is closed. I don't know when it'll ever be open. I think your adoption is over. I don't think we can do this. I'm like, you know what? That's okay. I'll be there. So I booked a flight. I went over. I stayed with my attorney in his house. And every day for several weeks, I would get up and I would walk to that office and I would just sit outside the door. And I would sit there hoping somebody would show up day after day after day. And so finally, someone did happen to pop in, at which point I was able to go in and have a conversation and learn a little bit about persuasion versus manipulation until I finally got um, that document signed. So what was like some of the red tape though? What was besides them not showing up in the office? What kind of red tape do you have to go through? So there was um, uh, one of the biggest ones um, happened at the very end of the adoption. So we had completed the entire adoption. Um, I had her in my arms, and she was sick. She was crying. She had she was vomiting. She had diarrhea. And I go to get a visa to get out of the country, and I was denied. The American government denied me a visa to take her out, even though the adoption was completed on the American side and the adoption was completed on the Haitian side. They denied my visa and were requiring of me to get a DNA test from the biological mother and the baby to prove that this was the mother who actually gave up uh, this baby. That was going to take six to eight weeks. And oh, I'm just wow. standing there holding her. And so I called back to the States um, and we, we get a call to someone who was the senator, one of my senators at that time. And explain what was going on. The office didn't work with it. And um, I called the embassy back about two hours later. And they said, hey, your senator called. This is all worked out. You show up tomorrow morning, bring these like two or three documents. And um, you're going to be out of here. You're going to be done. Oh, that's, that's at least a great that senator helped you out and move, and move the process much quicker for you. I, I could have done it. That's like one of those things that I couldn't have done on my own. But by explaining to the senator's office what was going on, how sick this baby was, and what was happening there, and how I was trapped. And at that point, like I had custody over. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't even leave. And I had a, a new baby at home that happened to be the very same age. Um, and I had someone who was a baby that was turning four, a young kid that was turning four as well, um, and their mom here in the states. And I'm stuck in Haiti holding this baby. I can't leave. Oh, wow, it must must have been a scary situation and frustrating. must have been really frustrating too at the same time. It was scary, it was frustrating, but again, it, it helped me to begin to understand that, like sir, for example, when I, I talk about the, the office that I went to that was closed, when I when I first started talking with the person, you know, I was really just trying to get through my checklist. I was trying to manipulate, I was just trying to get this done. And the the guy just kind of glassed over. And it was non-responsive. And what I then learned was that that type of communication was not going to work for him. I had to find a way to persuade him. And what I knew was that Haitians love their children and they really do want a good future for their children. So when I turned the conversation away from me and my need to adopt this baby and instead turned the conversation to this young Haitian who had a great home waiting for her in the United States and was extremely sick and needed medical attention. And I put the focus there. It totally changed for this person and who's willing to sign. And we got the paperwork all completed right then. Have you talked to your daughter now? So she's older now and what, what you went through back then? When she was probably four, she was sitting on the on the floor of the house and she had these little toys and she was assembling them into groups. And I asked her at that point, hey, you know, what are you doing? Her name is Nina. Nina, what are you doing? And she said, daddy, I'm making families. And she made a comment to me. She said, dad, they don't match, but they're still family. Just like I don't match, but I'm still family. 
And at that young age, I knew that she got it. Now, since then, she's had a chance to meet her biological, one of her biological uncles. She's also had an opportunity to have dinner uh, and meet her biological grandmother as well. Oh, wow. Um, and I recently, through a move, found like all the adoption paperwork as well and pulled all that back out. She's in a place right now where she's just comfortable where her life is. And she doesn't ask questions and doesn't seek anything in that space, which you know, my decision was in this was I wanted her to have knowledge, have access to information when she wanted it if she wanted it. So I've been very clear with her that if you ever have questions, if you ever want to know anything about any of this, if you want to see your paperwork, if there's anything you want to know, it's all there for you to know. And if you never want to see it, that's fantastic as well. Oh, that's, um, that sounds awesome. That's really awesome. And how you can relate to your daughter and, and express the, the information of which, where she came from and stuff like that. Another thing I'd like to, um, I'd like to talk about is um, how can you, Teach the kids to be a better communicator. Any advice, any tips on how can you like teach them so when they get older, they have those those tools in their tool belt, basically? You know, one of the biggest things that I do for my kids is to help and to prompt them to be social um, in their life. So you know, with that, I'm, uh, we're inviting friends over to go to the pool together or for me to take them to the movies or, or to do things together. So I, I prompt early, and I also prompt them to have conversations with older people, with adult figures as well. And now that two of them are, are doing some part-time work as well, they have that opportunity. So we, we talk through that as well. So encouraging them in these relationships and putting themselves in a place where they can have those conversations and then modeling for them as well. Like my willingness to be authentic with them about the things in my life. That's, that's a good way of doing it. I mean, I mean, I know, I don't know how you do when your, your children are younger, but I talked to my son like I was, like I talked to a normal person. I didn't go, you know, Google Gaga, Google Gaga. And then they, <laughs> but I think, I mean, he's only, he's just turned five, but man, he can talk up a storm. And I'm like, are you just five? Cause I'm not really sure. I don't know if you experienced that. I don't know if you did that when your kids were younger, but I, that's my experience. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, um, you know, I try to have regular conversations uh, with my kids. As I was saying earlier, I frequently share with them the things that I just mess up and things that don't go well. As an entrepreneur and business owner, you know, we fail. We try to fail often. We try to fail forward. Um, and I want my kids to understand too that, hey, it's okay if you fail. So I, I try to model that. I try to stay open with those type conversations uh, with them. One thing, one thing I really want to get to is on your new book coming out, Unleash Your Superpower, the persuasive communication, the only force you'll ever need. Beginning of the, the interview, we talked about superpowers. I was wondering if you want to talk about that because that was a very interesting cover and very interesting um, title. I am so excited about the book. We are still on schedule for a release date of January 1st, um, 2019. Um, and the book tells us the story of this Haitian adoption. I also talk about the greater good that I learned in this adoption as well at, at the end of the book, which is a, a great thing to keep us motivated and to, to keep us inspired. And in the book, I walk through like how you create messaging, how you position messaging, um, how you look to call to action and how to structure a call to action. I talk about things like becoming the industry expert, becoming the guru in the space that the point that, that people look to, um, you know, things of that interest. I go through the entire aspect of how we communicate and how we persuade. And it's, it's, it's not meant for any one particular industry. So like in, in the case of our conversations today, you can see this relates to me as a father and the things that I've learned there. And it, but it transcends all different types of areas of our lives. So a person could take the information, they could apply it to fatherhood, they could apply it to work, they could apply it to launching a company if that's what they feel like they're supposed to do. 
it, it, it transcends. I, like I said, I love the cover of it. I mean, because I'm, I'm a superhero. I mean, a superhero nerd, if you want to say that. <laughs> and, and like I told you in the beginning, my mind's Batman because he, you know, he knows everybody's secret. <laughs> but um, I guess um, final thoughts, and then you want to talk, leave um, the audience final thoughts on communicating, being a father, persuasive, any like final thoughts? Yeah, let me, let me put uh, what I just briefly said just a second ago, talking about the greater good. So when I finished up the adoption and I finally got through everything and I landed back in the Miami airport and I you know, made it through customs and I'm standing there in the airport and I'm holding her and we found that she had double ear infection. So the, the plane, the pressure was just horrible in her ears. Um, she, was, she had diarrhea. She was vomiting. And I'm holding her. She's whimpering at that point. She stopped screaming. She's just exhausted from screaming on the flight. And I'm holding her. And I'm looking down at her. And Joe, for a few minutes here, I do feel really um, happy. Yeah, I, I feel like I've been successful. I've made this thing. We've got it. We're here. She's here. She's finally, six and a half months later, she's finally in the, in the U.S. At that point, all of that feeling of accomplishment just went out the window. And as I look down at her, I begin to wonder what her life is going to be. You know, will she be a doctor and heal people? Will she be a humanitarian and relieve suffering? Or maybe she'll be a teacher and impact hundreds of students that then could impact thousands of lives. Maybe she'll go back to Haiti. And while I had all those questions, I didn't have answers, of course. But what I did know was this, that this adoption wasn't the end. It was that first flap of the butterfly wing in the butterfly effect that says a single flap of a butterfly wing over space and over time eventually leads to a massive, powerful hurricane. So while I wasn't finished, the story wasn't finished, this was just the beginning. What I began to understand was now her life is going to impact so many other lives and she's going to do good and that's going to impact others as well. So this is living well beyond me. And there are times as a dad when I want to quit, I want to throw my hands up and say, <laughs> oh my God, this is so hard. But my encouragement to dads out there today is that what we're doing, this is just that single flap of a butterfly wing and our work is going to pay off. We're going to impact our children and they're going to impact other lives. And so the good that we're doing as dads is going to live well beyond us. Uh, do they want to connect? Where do they connect with you? My website is jefftippett.com, J-E-F-F-T-I-P-P-E-T-T.com. Or another way is to text the word PERSUADE to 66866. Um, and in addition to connecting with that, you'll also get a free chapter from my upcoming book. Awesome. And all the links will be in the show notes today and what we've talked about today. Jeff, thank you very much for being on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. I had a great time. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, that's all I have for this episode. I want to thank you for joining me on the No City on the Sideline Dad podcast. I want to thank Jeff Tippett for being a guest on the podcast. You can find more about Jeff over at jefftippett.com or also unleashingthesuperpower.com, where his new book is coming out soon. You can find all the information about this new book over unleashingyoursuperpower.com. All the things we talked about on the show, you can find nocityonthesideline.com slash 61. I'll put all the links there for you. So when you have a chance or opportunity, you want to look up Jeff, links will be there for you. Please comment on the podcast. All comments help improve the podcast. All links I said will be in the show notes. You can reach me at nocityonthesideline.com slash contact. Hey, that's where I am anywhere in the social world or email, stuff like that. 
you know what? I think it'd be fun since we're talking about superheroes tonight. And um, I think it'd be fun to see. Leave a leave a comment, start a conversation, leave a comment in the show notes or wherever you like comment on the show. Who is your favorite superhero and why? It'd be fun to hear that. Also, heading out the door, wrapping up this. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to your family. Spend some time with them because it's important. Until next time, take care. God bless. See ya. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe to the newsletter to receive updates of the show and helpful and useful tips. This has been a production of Foley 42 Media.